You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 32. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. I appreciate you joining us and hope that you've had a fabulous week doing lots of wonderful things and that you're ready for a great show. You know, as a coach instructor, I often get asked to describe what a quote normal coaching practice might look like. So people coming into the program, wanting to create a business and want to know what normal looks like. And the truth is, as with many things in life, and I would venture to say almost everything in life, there really isn't normal. It depends upon what your perspective is, what you're looking for, what would create ideal for you. Therefore, I would, instead of answering I would ask questions. I would ask questions like, how many hours a week or a month would you like to work? What is the income that you're wanting to generate? What are you aspiring to? What is your ideal client? That impacts what practice is going to look like for you. If you're aspiring to make, let's say, $100,000 a year, and you're planning to work with high-powered C-suite executives for annual contracts at $30,000, a year, it's going to look very different than if you're aspiring to $100,000 a year and your coaching model is that you charge $100 for a 60-minute session. So I want to know who your ideal client is. I would want to know what you're aspiring to. I would want to know what kinds of services you're going to offer and whether you're doing strictly coaching or coaching and consulting, whether you're doing one-on-one or group. There's a lot of different things that build into what does normal look like for you? What are you aspiring to? The other thing that I find to be one of the awesome things about coaching is that it attracts professionals from many different walks of life with many different kinds of experience in different life stages. So if somebody is talking to me about building a practice that they want to be a part-time practice as something that they do, let's say in retirement to bring value and maybe make additional income, but they want their primary focus to be spending time with family and spouse in retirement, that might look very different than somebody who is going into coaching still in sort of the prime of their career and they're wanting to work, you know, 40 hours a week, really engaging in client interaction and business development, all those factors come into it to look at what you want to build as a coach. Now, today's guest entered coaching in what he describes his third life. Ed Allen began his career 
in the U.S. Navy. And he spent over 30 years in the Navy, ultimately retiring as a rear admiral. He then went into corporate America and worked for Oracle and helped develop their coaching program, which was and was instrumental in in them getting the PRISM Award through the ICF North Texas chapter over 10 years ago. He spent time in both his role at Oracle as well as developing the coaching program at Oracle before he transitioned into his own coaching and consulting business, where he currently has a business with his wife, Donna. They operate Executive Success Group, and they work with C-suite executives focusing on leadership excellence and business results. And their business model is that Ed primarily does the coaching with the C-suite executives, and Donna does much of their assessment work with the different companies with whom they work. So Ed joins us today to share his story and provide his perspective into building client relationships and using assessments to bring additional value and how to create that synergy in coaching. Ed was recently named 2017 Business Coach of the Year by the Professional Business Coaches Alliance. He was also chosen for the John Paul Jones Award for Inspirational Leadership. I find Ed to be very inspirational. He's a a wonderful mentor of mine and a dear friend. And I am happy to introduce him to you so that each of you can share in his wisdom as well. Let's go to our interview with Ed Allen. Welcome, Ed, to the show. I am welcoming Ed Allen, who is a dear friend and one of my valued mentors, to the show today. Ed, welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you. It's so good to have you here. I have learned so much from Ed over the years that I wanted to not be so selfish and actually share a little bit of Ed with other people as well. So, Ed, I know that you are an incredibly successful executive coach and you've done so many things in your life, but you didn't start in coaching as many of us have had other lives before coaching. So tell us a little bit about your journey into coaching. Okay. Well, thank you, Meg. I'm in life three and life one was the U.S. Navy for 31 years. I I didn't plan on staying in the Navy, but I I wound up having a 31-year career. I flew F-4s and F-14s off an aircraft carrier and I retired as a two-star admiral 31 years later. The highlight of that time and the mountaintop experience for me was being captain of an aircraft carrier. And that's where I really learned about leadership. And I use lessons from that 20 months in my life more than any other in my executive coaching. After the Navy, I went to the Oracle Corporation and I was the vice president of business development for their defense programs for almost 11 years. But year three into that, I discovered executive coaching. And it was just almost a divine appointment in that I just got the message that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And so I started transitioning and formed an LLC and got my certifications and training and all. I was going to leave Oracle. I was doing well there, but I just realized that this was my passion. Well, I went to Oracle and told them what I was doing and that I 
that I was leaving. And they said, no, you're not. <laughs> and so I stayed, oh, no, you're not. Stayed there four more years and actually wound up staying 10 years. But a lot of that time was I was doing it, coaching inside of Oracle and doing my business development job. So I had the best of both worlds and was able to form a practice and be well positioned by the time I, I really said I got to follow my heart and went on my own. I've been doing that for several years now. So now I've got my own uh, small executive coaching practice and uh, my clients are really their corporate clients. And I coach work with the CEO or the managing partner of a major accounting firm and their teams of six to eight. And so two large corporations and one small corporation, that's a full practice for me. I don't, I, Well, for life three, I think that that's okay. It's okay that you have, you know, and I know that over the years you've had different levels of client engagement and you're kind of settling into that right now is a good fit for you. Right. Exactly right. Excellent. So first of all, great way to set up your practice to be able to kind of build your practice and do some internal coaching and have the encouragement of your employer to do so or or, because they didn't want to lose you. So that shows what value you brought. How do you bring value to your executive clients? How do you bring a proposition or an engagement into an organization and, and make them want to work with you? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, I think you you start with the, the position that this has to be a fit. And it's not a matter of going out and, quote, selling yourself and engaging a client. It's, it's interacting with somebody and learning about their business and finding out if this is a fit and if you can bring value to them. So I always look like this is, this is kind of like dating. And you have an initial discovery session for an hour and you see if that's, uh, there's something there. And then I'll talk about uh, executive coaching and what a six or 12 month engagement looks like. But if it's, if we're not sure if neither one of us is sure, I start with an assessment that I use. It's called the Winslow and it's uh, it's created by a businessman for business. And so it takes me about four or five hours to, to really administer that and to work up a debrief and, and then spend a couple hours with the client. But that's a kind of a standalone piece. And we can find out if this is a fit and the clients receive something of value. And, you know, I'm almost 100% of proceeding with a client afterwards. But I never assume that I'm going to go in there and sell them or this is a done deal. It's It's got to be a fit and it's got to be a relationship. Again, it's like dating. Okay. So you... And so also, a couple of things are behind this. One, you assume and you let them know, you talk about confidentiality. I'm fierce about that. I talk about this is 100% about them. I have a a lot of experience and I've got some applications and I've got some tools and I've got some assessments and I've got some resources like the one page business plan, but this is about them. This is not a program that this month you do this and next month you do that. It's a matter of deciding after the assessment phase, the discovery phase and finding out what's really important to them and then meeting them where they are and helping them to be successful. I use the visual of uh, the client and I are walking. It's after dark and on a mountainside on a narrow on a narrow path, and I'm holding a flashlight. And I don't go in front of them. I don't go behind them. I don't go above them. I go beside them, and I shine the light on the path of where they want to go and help them get there. They decide what's important. I help manage the process to help them be successful. 
Excellent. You talked about some of the assessments that you use. You happen to be of all the people that I know, and I know lots of coaches, you have more certifications of different kinds of assessments than I think anybody that I know. And we've talked about that some of that was able, you were able to kind of acquire some of that while you were at Oracle and exploring different things. I also know that you tend to use a, a smaller selection out of your huge box then. So yeah. how do you go about a, how did you go about choosing what things you were going to become certified in? And then now that you have so many certifications, how do you choose what you use? That's a double-decker double question for you there, Ed. It's a great question because, as, as I said before, the first thing I do is an assessment with somebody, and I happen to use the Winslow. And if somebody is just getting into coaching, I say, do something. Use, you, know, you can do DISC, you can do strength finders, something really simple. Or you can get into something like the Winslow that we do that that's, uh, brings great value to our clients just as a standalone. But there was a period for about three years and I was an assessment junkie. It was out there. I got trained and certified in it. And so I can do Myers-Briggs and PIV and all that, DISC and all of those. We primarily, we use the Winslow exclusively. In fact, I won't work with anybody. That's the first step regardless. And then we have some 360s we use um, benchmarks from uh, Center for Creative Leadership and Corn Ferry Voices. Those are the main ones we use and we can use, we might use DISC or uh, if somebody has a particular interest and they want to use Myers-Briggs, we can do that, but hardly ever happens because they see so much value in the Winslow because it can be used for selection and hiring as well. That's the centerpiece of the of starting our practice and it gives us some instant credibility with a client and we can bring some value to it and they get some insight. Okay. So you found that regardless of how many assessments you have, it, it really makes sense for you to zero in on the one that you feel brings the most value and, and you sort of built your practice around that. Yeah. Find something that's you, that works for you, that's affordable, that you can use in a competent way and bring, bring value to your clients. But remember, an assessment is just like holding up a mirror for your clients. And it's in a kind of an objective way of reflecting back to them some of the strengths and challenges they have and some thoughts about how you might coach them. And it's, it's a way of getting to know your clients early, providing some value to them, and then you take it from there. Excellent. I don't know. I, I just, when you were talking, it made me remember a story you told me about VP that you worked with that was working with another coach and you went in just to do the Winslow debrief and it sort of changed things for her. Do you remember who I'm talking about? I, and that instigated her, the value that you brought just by doing the assessment instigated her going to her boss, who was the CEO and saying, I want this guy as my coach, not the other person. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. We had a, uh, I had a client and they were, they were just, we were doing just the Winslow for the senior leadership team. And I did a debrief for this lady. She was awesome. She's 39 years old. And was a, she had a worldwide business practice for this corporation. And so I did the, did her Winslow debrief, which takes about an hour, 15 or 20 minutes. And she was, she played it very close to the vest. I mean, I will, I'll kind of ask people about themselves and she didn't, she didn't divulge much and I didn't know much about her at all. And I thought, well, okay, that went all right. Well, unbeknownst to me, this corporation had a consulting firm that was doing some other work for them and they had an executive coach that she'd been working with. And 
she went to the CEO and said, hey, I just got more out of this working with Ed Allen for uh, about an hour and 15 minutes and doing a Winslow assessment. I got more out of that hour and a half than I have with this coach for, for, for a year. So I want to start with him. And so that started a, a practice, which some other folks got involved with too. Right, right. But that's just a great example of how when, if you leverage the assessment you believe in and that can bring value, it begins to create that relationship and to show clients the kind of value that coaching can bring. Yeah. Excellent. So when you are, you, you talked about sort of the dating analogy of getting to know one another to see if your coaching would be a good fit within the organization. Once you're in and maybe even past the assessment phase that you just talked about, what are some of the other things that you might incorporate within a coaching package? You talk about once I have a corporate client. We're working yeah, once together. you have that client, how do you sort of structure, what are some of the things that you might do in your coaching engagement once you have made it past dating? Well, you're still in dating. You're just a little more seriously dating. Yeah, you're at least holding hands. So, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I go in there with the assumption that I'm part of the senior leadership team. You know, I'll even use the language like we and talking about business problems. and. What I find is that confidentiality is, is everything. You have to be fierce about that. And then you you learn the business and you learn what's important to the business. And you just uh, kind of meet people where they are and you form a relationship and you find out what's important to them. And the real value that you wind up bringing to the, to the leader, whether it's a CEO or a managing partner or whoever it is, is that once you get to know the senior leadership team, you can advise, you can be kind of a trusted advisor to the CEO or the managing partner with his senior lead, leadership team. I had a, a, a situation very recently where the, the, one of the senior leadership team members called me and said, hey, the CEO said for me to call you and talk about this. He said, because I'm not happy and I'm thinking about leaving. And so we talked for, oh, 20, 25 minutes, and I didn't try to talk him out of leaving. I just said, well, I got some clarity about are you going to leave? Are you going to stay? Or you don't know? And then we talked about setting some boundaries and some things that he could do differently. By golly, called me back later that afternoon. He said, hey, this has been a great value. I got it. I'm staying and I know, I, I know what I need to do. So that's an example of you just become part of, you become part of that team and part of that family. And you're, you've got an emotional investment in the, the success of the company to the extent that there have been a couple of times when I've had an ongoing client and my average client engagement with four or five years. If there's a dip in business, I have, I have just reduced my monthly billing to them based on the, the dip that the business is in. So I kind of rise and fall with the, the business success. And so I even had one client that was going through bankruptcy and I said, Hey, I'm all in for six months. You don't even have to pay me. Well, they wound up paying me, but the point that was that I was invested in that company and was willing to take some risk, and that's paid off for me. So you talked about the length of how long might you work with a company? You know, my my client, my average client engagements, like I say, four to five years, and okay. usually it's uh, something the company is is sold or 
or maybe we'll take a break and I'll come back or something. But the, the companies that I've, my clients right now, one of, one of them's been six years, uh, one of them's been four, five years, and the other one is was is a startup, and I've been with them for about a year and a half since they started. Okay, that's so part you of, you become part of the senior leadership team, and that's a and that's not your classic quote coaching engagement. But that's what's worked well for me. Right. So that's sort of your claim to fame. That's that's the way that you do business. You bring value. You really become part of the, the company. And I'm willing to bet then maybe start with one or two people and have different people added. And so how does that sort of process work when you first come yeah. in and versus good, how it evolves? Good, good question. You need to be working with somebody at the top, whether it's the CEO or the COO, uh, one only once have I worked with a director of HR as a sponsor, but normally you you start with one on one. It always starts with one on one, and then it just kind of grows and expands as you become part of the family. I never go in there with a quote team engagement approach of hey, I'm going to coach you and your team. I start one on one, and then we just kind of see where it goes from there. And it's been pretty successful for you because it continues to be that you get brought into the leadership team. Right. I, and I just become part of the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you become part of the team, what might that do to, uh, this is, this is what's going through my mind right now. I could see on the one hand that would do a lot for trust with people, but then if there's somebody on the team who's having an issue with the team, what does that do with their like trusting you if they have a problem with the team that they feel like you're on? Does that make sense? Does it create any uh, conflicts at all or, or trust issues with people on the team being able to come to you? No, in fact, it's just the opposite. In okay. fact, the reason is because of the confidentiality and they know that you're not playing games and they know that you're not going to run to the CEO with some and disclose something. You'll talk about problems in general. But the one that I had recently was uh, one senior leadership team member was having, he got kind of ambushed in the plenary session with by another member and the other member was really out of bounds, to be honest with you. And so we talked about that. See, by coaching both of them, the whole team, I knew the personalities and I knew the interaction and I could relate to the specifics of the, of the meetings. And so the way I handled it was I was able to, to coach this individual about how do you handle devaluing behavior? And I've got, there's kind of three levels of doing that. And then there's a, there's a three-step process of how you approach somebody when you experience some devaluing behavior. So that, that's kind of an example of how to do that. But I, I have found that that uh, you earn people's trust, you maintain that confidentiality, you don't play games, you don't disclose anything you shouldn't. And when you're, I found out when, if you'll, if you'll check your heart for intent and you say, why am I really doing this? You'll be on the right path north of 90% of the time. What are some of the things that you've done, Ed, that you believe have strengthened your coaching over the years? Well, one I think is just the experience of working with companies and helping them be successful. I'll give a couple of examples, kind of bragging here for a second, but just in the last year, year and a half, I've had two inputs. One of my clients said, uh, <laughs> he said, I went home and my wife said, isn't it about time for a coaching session? And, uh, this <laughs> This same gentleman said, 
somebody asked him, what did the coaching do for him? He said, I sleep better at night because of my coaching, my work with that. Another one, another client said to me, and I'm paid well, I'm paid very well, but they said, I hope you never figure out what you're worth because we couldn't afford you. So when you can bring that kind of relationship and that kind of value to your clients, you're going to have a, you're going to have a full practice. I'm trying to think if there's something else I got to add. What about some organizations maybe that you've worked with that have or or places that you've gained additional insights or or even trainings? Okay, good question. Good segue. Professional Business Coaches Alliance. I'm a business coach and I searched for a long time to find a business association or and I discovered the Professional Business Coaches Alliance. I highly recommend it to anybody that's that's uh, interested in being a a business coach. The gentleman's name is John Denny, J-O-N-D-E-N-N-Y. You can go on the web and you can see about a two and a half minute video with John. He taught me just the system he taught me about scheduling clients was worth the whole program going through his training program. But if you go to John, he'll take you soup to nuts in four and a half days and give you all the tools you need to be a business coach. Now there's a lot of training and certification programs out there all the way to up through Georgetown and Hudson Institute and all. This is a very focused, concentrated business engagement. And then they have Rainmaker conferences and an annual conference. And so that's- What is it about the scheduling that you felt was so valuable? Well, I'm working with a total of about 21 clients right now. And to try to schedule them on a routine basis- if I didn't have the system, it's, it's a, it was a nightmare. I mean, Donna finally said to me, you're spending more time scheduling and rescheduling than you are coaching. Well, John, Tenney, John Denny taught me, he said, look, you get a system. And he said, the system looks like this. It's either the first and third or the second and fourth weeks of the month, a certain day at a certain time for I schedule an hour and a half. And you can schedule the whole month's sessions ahead of time. And then I use Coach's Console, which is a management information system where I schedule these and then it gives a, it puts everything on my calendar. It sends notices to the client. It sends reminders to the client. And of course, with the clients that I'm working with, my schedule reschedule rate is about 30 to 35%. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I never have a problem with that. And I've never had a problem with clients quote, not showing up because they know that if they're not getting something out of it, we stop. We quit. Mm-hmm. And so but this allows us to have a system that we can work from. That system alone is, is given me a was worth the whole price of admission. With helps um, you sleep better at night, huh? Yes, I sleep better, <laughs> and it helps helps your uh, relationship with your partner, your wife, huh? <laughs> a lot of help there. Excellent, good. So. Any final sort of words of wisdom that you might have for somebody who is considering business coaching? Well, I think there's one thing that I want to share with you all that I think is important. And it's not just business coaching. This is with anybody. And then I'd be glad to focus on anything business wise. But people say, well, what do you do as a coach? And I say, well, I, I do three things. And I said, the first thing is I listen. It's more than listening. I say, I be present and listen. Be present and listen. I'm a good listener. And the reason I'm a good listener is because I work at it. I'm not a natural. It's I work at it every day. And if you could sit in my office and look over my shoulder here and see in the upper corner there, you'll see this little sign that says W-A-I-T. And it's a reminder, why am I talking? And so listening, it's the most 
important communication skill we have. I've yet to have a client that, that listening and being present wasn't a coaching opportunity. And so that's the first thing that I do. The second thing I do is I, is I question and I summarize with real pointed questions. And the questions are based on what's important to the client. And I use three things. One, their Winslow results. There's hardly a coaching in session that I don't look at their Winslow graph. The second thing is the goals. I've got a goal setting process that I take clients through as a four-step process for each of their goals. And we reference that. And then the discussion that's gone on during the coaching session. So based on those three things, you know, I will determine what's important to the client. And so, and, and base their questions around those three things. And then at the end of the session, I'll say, give me a couple of minutes and I'll give them four or five things to work on challenges. That's the third thing I do is challenge them based on their Winslow results, goals and settings and what's going on in the, uh, in the session. So those are the three things that I do that I think are important for a coach. Be present, listen, you question, summarize what you've heard, and then you challenge them. And uh, one footnote I want to add here is whenever I challenge people, and I give them something to do before next time. What they do with that is their business. You know, unless they ask me to quote, hold them accountable. I don't do that. I didn't take them to race. They, you know, I, I give them what I think will be of value to them. And then sometimes they'll do it at all. Sometimes they won't do anything or sometimes they'll defer things. But the important thing is that you've challenged them and then they can do with it what works best for them. Good. All right. Well, Ed, I know what a busy man you are. And the fact that you fit us in to give us some of your knowledge is so appreciated. I have valued our friendship and our relationship over all these years and your mentorship of me. So thank you for being willing to share some of that with the Star Coach audience. May I close with one comment? Of course. I've taught at the University of Texas at Dallas. In fact, uh, created the business coaching uh, curriculum there and taught for, I don't know, three or four years. And then when I got out on my own and I had some opportunities to bring somebody else into the practice with me, out of all the clients that I worked, all the students that I had and all the clients that I worked with, I only, I only chose one. And the only other person that I've worked with based on all those years and all those students was Meg. So that's my abiding respect and gratitude for, uh, for Meg Wrenchler. And she's taught me as much as I've taught her. Thanks, Meg. Thank you, Ed. You're awesome. Have a great one. Okay. So once again, thanks to Ed Allen for joining the show today to share his perspective and what works for him at this stage of life on a successful coaching business. If you'd like to know more about Ed Allen or about the Winslow assessment that he was discussing. He wanted me to let you know that he'd be happy to talk with any of you about that. There is a link to be able to get a hold of Ed at starcoachshow.com on our resource page. While you're on the site, you want to be sure to sign up for our book giveaway. We are currently featuring Smart Match Alliances by Judy Feld and you can't win a book if you don't sign up for the book giveaway. So be sure to do that while you're at starcoachshow.com. Once again, thank each of you for taking the time to be with us today. The listeners are what makes the show what it is. If you are finding value in the show, I would ask you to please take a minute to go to 
iTunes. There's a link actually at starcoachshow.com where you can click to leave a rate and review on iTunes. That's how we get our name out there. That's how we can continue to bring value to the coaching community and continue to attract fabulous guests that can share their strategies, tools, and resources with you. So this is Meg Rentschler. Have a wonderful week and here's to your coaching success.